it is an incredible gift to be in worship with you all today, to share this morning with you, to join my friend Mark Snipes in letting you know how much our larger fellowship community is blessed by our partnership in the gospel with you. Through your prayers, through your gifts, through your extraordinary hospitality. You have not just offered a witness to this community, but you've been part of God's work around the state and around the world, and we thank God for you. Now, those who are here in Sunday school know I can talk a lot longer than that about what's going on in the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. But at this moment, my opportunity is different, and at least for right now, more important. Because I want to invite you to hear these words that Mark read from 1 Corinthians 12 and allow them to wash over you like a gift from the Holy Spirit, considering the possibility that the Holy Spirit might be using those words that Paul wrote thousands of years ago to speak to you, the congregation of First Baptist in Waynesboro, Virginia, in this transitional moment as you prepare to have listening sessions and build a congregational profile and a pastor profile and begin the journey of seeking the next pastor for this extraordinary congregation. As I have tried to listen to this text from 1 Corinthians 12 alongside what I think I can imagine about what you're experiencing right now, at least I felt encouraged to begin by asking you to see this passage differently than we normally do. I don't know about you, but the first time I ever was exposed to 1 Corinthians 12 I was in a youth group in the last century. Don't ask me how far back in the last century. We don't know each other quite that well yet. And our youth minister was asking us to see this entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 12 with that beautiful metaphor of the body of Christ as an image just for our youth group. And he wanted us to think about what part of the body each one of us were. I won't tell you what people thought I was. And I think for most of our lives, we have been formed to hear 1 Corinthians 12 in that very narrow, personal, interpretive lens. Like, what is my unique part of the body of Christ? What are the gifts the Holy Spirit has given me as an individual? And I want to be heard clearly this morning. I think that is a legitimate way to listen to this passage. And if we're not individually hearing this passage and we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us as people uniquely and beautifully and wonderfully gifted by the Holy Spirit, then we are missing part of the power of the passage. So this morning and asking you to hear it differently, I'm not asking you to hear it competitively. I'm asking you to set next to the way you've always heard this passage a more expansive way of hearing this passage. 
Because you see, thank God the body of Christ in the world is larger than the youth group I grew up in. Thank God the body of Christ in the world is larger than the First Baptist Church of Waynesboro, Virginia. Thank God the body of Christ in the world is bigger than the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. Thank God it's bigger than Baptists. Thank God that over time and space, the church has reached from Jerusalem north and south and east and west and is truly a worldwide community. That's the body of Christ. I want you to hear the passage in that kind of remarkably expansive way. The church throughout the world is the body of Christ. And then allow yourself to ask yourself the question, what is First Baptist Waynesboro's unique part of the body of Christ? What if you dared to listen to St. Paul, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, not just from a uniquely individual perspective, but what if instead you heard him say, to each congregation is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good? How is the Holy Spirit pouring out gifts and graces on the life of this congregation? What are the unique gifts the Spirit is giving you throughout your history in this moment as you face the future the Holy Spirit is preparing you for? What are the gifts you have? Now, in asking you to hear the passage this way, I'm going to ask you to hear it as though it is a, a reflection on the very birth of the church on the day of Pentecost as described in Acts 2. Remember how Acts describes the birth of the church and its very first day of ministry on the streets of Jerusalem? It doesn't say that a group of people formed a committee, although there were some formed soon thereafter. It says that the Holy Spirit fell on the house where the first disciples were staying, and it gave them all the gift of speaking in many different languages, and then it shoved them out on the streets of Jerusalem and asked those disciples who had not been to sophisticated graduate school for the most part, opened their mouths and began to speak people from every nation under heaven in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost heard the gospel in their own language. What the disciples needed on the first day of the church in order to carry out the ministry God wanted them to fulfill was the gift of speaking in different languages. The Holy Spirit gave them the gift of speaking in different languages, gave them the courage to go out in the streets and speak, gave them everything they needed to do what God needed them to do. So the Episcopal Anglican theologian Sam Wells says, from that day forward to this day, it has always been the truth that the Holy Spirit gives the church more than we need to do what God wants us to do. So I want you to ask yourself the question this morning, as you enter this time of transition, as you start building profiles, as you start telling your story as part of a journey of seeking a new pastor, I want you to dare to ask yourself the question, what are the truly unique gifts this congregation has been given? And I want you to ask that question because I believe that the gifts we are given 
are a clue to the future to which we are being called. The Holy Spirit never asks us to do that which we are not gifted to do. Turns out I was not called to run track. If you'd like a demonstration of that, we'll go outside afterwards and I'll run and you'll be persuaded. Congregations are never asked by the Holy Spirit to do anything for which we've not already been given an incredible array of gifts. So I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to plant in your hearts a question. What are the unique gifts our congregation has? How has the Spirit given a unique set of gifts to us that we can use for faithful ministry in this community and beyond? And you can't say we don't have any. That answer is off the table. I recommend to the transition team, if anyone tries to say it, rule it out of order. Because the text doesn't say to some are given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The text does not say to most is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. No, what does the text say, my friends? To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. There is no footnote, there is no caveat, there is no clarification. It doesn't say only to churches above a certain size is the manifestation of the Spirit given for the common good. It doesn't say only to churches of a certain style of worship is the Spirit given for the common good. It doesn't say only to churches with certain kinds of pastors or certain kinds of locations or certain kinds of profiles. No, it says to each. Each means each and all means all. So you cannot say we don't have any. You cannot say we have nothing to offer. You cannot say there's nothing unique about the way the Holy Spirit has gifted us and invited us to be in relationship with Jesus Christ because to each is given. Maybe it's starting to dawn on you that I'm asking you to think this morning in a really countercultural way. Because if you just open your ears to what's in social media and what's in other spaces about congregations these days, what you usually get access to is a whole lot of scarcity. Like, congregations don't have what we used to have. We don't have as much of this, or of this, or of this. Our best days are probably in the past, not in the future. Ain't it awful? That's not the kind of thinking that the Holy Spirit makes possible when we listen to 1 Corinthians 12. When we listen to 1 Corinthians 12, we are challenged to ask ourselves, what is the abundance of giftedness the Holy Spirit has given us? And once you see those gifts, it can change your view of your present and position you to embrace the future the Holy Spirit is activating in you. Almost a decade ago, when you all were hosting like 400 people for March Mission Madness, I was the pastor of a congregation in Northeast Georgia, First Baptist Church of Athens, Georgia. Um, your former pastor, Bill Wilson, helped get me into that. That's another matter for another time. And we decided about two years into my ministry there that it was time to ask the church to go through a process to discover a vision for our future. And the, let's just say that the previous decade had not just been an easy, lazy river ride for that congregation. A lot of things had happened. 
And we didn't enter that process in a spirit just of extraordinary anticipation. Until one day in the middle of that process, our congregation had a conversation in fellowship hall that changed everything. We had a facilitator who came in to help us through that journey. His name was Chris Gamble. And Chris asked our congregation to engage in an activity where we named all of the gifts the congregation had. You know, he did what good facilitators do. He asked the right questions. He passed out the butcher paper and the marker and he got, markers and got out of the way. And people sat around tables and just started writing. Well, this, 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 this. And then he asked us to put the papers on the wall around the fellowship hall. All the walls and all the windows were covered. And then he asked us, take you and your tables, go and see if you can group together some of the gifts on the walls in new ways so it would allow you to serve this community in new ways. And people started rearranging all the pieces of paper on the walls, but the walls were all still covered. And there was this spirit of imagination and possibility and hope that was breaking out in the room. One of the gifts that was named repeatedly all over the place was the church 10 years earlier, 15 years earlier, had built a commercial quality kitchen. And you know how it had been mainly used up till that point? <laughs> to warm up Wednesday night suppers. But there were all kinds of questions being asked about the, this kitchen and what could it be used and how could it be used in our community and what kind of possibilities would be there. At 7.30 the next morning, I was in the drop-off line at the elementary school to drop off my kids. By the way, I have twins too. We'll talk later. <laughs> and my phone started doing somersaults, vibrating. It was the director of the local feeding ministry telling me that they had lost their home the night before to Methodist Church because of a kitchen fire and they needed somewhere to serve their guests. 12, 18 hours earlier, the conversation in our fellowship hall about how do we use this kitchen? How do we use this space? And all of a sudden, 48 hours later, we were becoming the home of a community feeding ministry. Beginning to see our gifts allowed us to step into a future that we could not have imagined. Without that conversation, we might still be studying that question. But what we started to see on that Sunday afternoon in April of 2013 was that our congregation had been given an incredible array of gifts, relationships, resources, community connections, all kinds of what people now call capital. That we, if we organize them appropriately and we look aspirationally and hopefully, God could use our congregation in extraordinary ways. We went from paying attention to what we did not have to what the Spirit had given us. We stopped worrying about what does some other congregation up the street have that we don't have, and we started asking ourselves, what have we been uniquely given, and how do we most ambitiously use it for the sake of the gospel? The Holy Spirit is given you and is giving you an incredible sense of gifts, convictions that you share, 
relationships in this community, beautiful facilities, incredible influence. How could you turn all of that loose in a new way for the sake of Christ and his mission in this community? To each congregation is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I believe strongly that God is still in the business of using congregations to change their communities and change the world. And one of the extraordinary privileges I have in this job that you Cooperative Baptist gave me right at the beginning of the pandemic, thanks so much, is I get to visit a different congregation every Sunday and see how the Holy Spirit is at work in its life. It is tremendously expanded my imagination of what congregations are capable of doing and I have testimony after testimony after testimony of how God has used a congregation of people who are willing to use the gifts God had given them in remarkable ways. I told the crowd in Sunday school that we now have CBF churches in Puerto Rico. At the beginning of the last month I went to a meeting on a Friday morning in the First Baptist Church of Rio Pietras. It's a suburb of San Juan where the main campus of the University of Puerto Rico is housed. And I listened to the pastor of that church, a remarkable woman named Lara Ayala. She's the pastor of the oldest Baptist congregation in Puerto Rico. How about that? But I listened to her give a testimony of her church's journey through the last five years. Like, y'all, I don't mean to be rude, but the pandemic was the easiest thing they faced. We are now at the anniversary of Hurricane Maria. Five years ago, Hurricane Maria ravaged Puerto Rico. Right before the pandemic, there was a fierce earthquake right in the middle of that island. But when Hurricane Maria ravaged Puerto Rico, it cut Puerto Rico off from the rest of the world. Power, water, basic necessities shut down for days. But members of First Baptist Rio Piedras started coming together for prayer meeting in a sanctuary where there was no power. And they started asking themselves, what do we have to offer to our community in the wake of this disaster? They realized they had relationships of influence. They realized they had a building that was still standing. They realized they had connections all over the island. They realized they had so much that they could offer and they started offering it. Before it was over, they took pews out of half the sanctuary so volunteers that came from the United States could sleep at night in the sanctuary. Sounds pretty holy, especially if you don't have a roof on your house. They found a whole new identity, a whole new life, a whole new energy because they were willing to recognize what they had and ask how they could use it for the sake of Christ in that community at that time. I came by today to tell you that I believe the Holy Spirit is activating, is preparing an extraordinary future for your congregation.
I want you to know I've come by today in a posture of gratitude about where you have been and hope about where you are going. So in the words of the anthem, which was remarkable, by the way, have done with lesser things. Set aside the conversation about what we don't have and what we used to have and do we have a future and all that. And replace it by asking yourself this question. What are the gifts the Holy Spirit has given us? How are they clues to what God wants us to do? How can we use them with new energy and new passion and new power? And then you won't believe. 